Potter Who Cast. So what do you call uh what do you call it when the Daleks get blue? What did you call it when Daleks get blue? You call it Dalek sex. <laughs> oh. um, hello and welcome to Potter Who Cast where we talk about Daleks getting jiggy with it. Um also, every episode of Doctor Who, Torch with Sarah Jane Adventures, K9 Class, uh, probably is a cover redacted, that new thing they announced today, which is like a podcast where they in- introduce people who disappear or whatever. Uh, today's a very special day because we're going to uh, the city that never sleeps, uh, New York, New York. Um, I'm David. New York, and I'm New joined- York. It's a hell of a no, town. A town. Uh, uh, I'm going to New York with two people. Um, if they want to introduce themselves in whatever order they want to do so, yeah. I don't mind. Wait, actually, I was I had a joke. It would be, be like, New York, New York, it's a hell of a town. The doctor runs up and my interest goes down. Anyway, uh, yeah. I'm Michelle. Hello. I'm Amelia. Start Welcome spreading the news. news. I'm skipping this episode. Oh, um, yeah. So, Emilio, welcome, welcome, thank you, welcome from Canada. Actually, why did it when Mister Diagras emerges from inside the Dalek Sago? Start spreading the news. I'm Dalek today. <laughs> uh, who knows? <laughs> See, and are you right? Um. But again, Emilio from Can I Kick at a great podcast about uh, film festivals, which I'm sure we can plug again later on. Um, we're talking today about Daleks in Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks, broadcast 21st and 28th of April 2007, uh, written by Helen Rayner, who was a script editor for uh, Torchwood Series 1. Uh, and also, right, we spoke about her, Michelle. She wrote Ghost Machine, which was the episode where um, there oh, was a machine. Oh, the good one. Okay. Uh, the good one, yeah, where that, where that guy walks around the end with a knife and then walks into the knife. He's like, ouch. She also uh, was script editor on Greek Spraying Gifts, which is less of a. a, a oh, a the bad thing. one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one where it's randomly transphobic for like five minutes. Um, and directed by James Strong, who directed uh, the Ooze two part, her last series, and. Uh, Cyberwoman, and they keep killing Susie as well for Torchwood. Um, but yeah, the gist of this one, before I get any further, is that the Doctor and Martha go to New York uh, and turns out the Daleks are there too after they escaped in the season two finale. Uh, and then basically it turns out the Daleks are dying and they want to do something, so they um, they get this foreman called Mr. Diagoras and they uh vore him into the into Dalek's ex body and he becomes a human Dalek. Oh my god, they actually do. Their whole plan is that they're gonna make humans into Daleks. Um and it fails because the doctor jumps onto a lightning rod and somehow changes their physiology or whatever. Uh and all the other Daleks die except Dalek Khan, who end the tweet, disappears into the vortex and the doctor and Martha leave. Um that's the gist of this one. Um, it is. It goes without saying that this is a very strange one. Um, I'd love to hear what you two think about it because there's just a very weird vibe throughout the two episodes that kind of feels a bit. I don't know. 
Yeah, I guess it's tough for me to say, considering I have not watched Doctor Who in a while. Oh, no. <laughs> my Oh, no. His, my history with Doctor Who is that around the mid to early, let's say the early 2010s, like 2013, I was just like, Doctor Who seems like the sort of nerd stuff I need to watch. Let's watch it. And so I just like basically binged all of basically the Russell T. Davies years. And then I watched through Matt Smith. And then after Matt Smith, I just was hard out and it was just like, I think I got everything I needed. I don't know if this is something I'm going to dedicate my entire life to, but I certainly enjoyed my time spent with the show. However, it me being eight years younger back then, and I guess I, it's hard to say to find a way to say this in non like awful sounding terms. But as a person whose tastes have hopefully <laughs> changed and matured, it has been it was certainly interesting going back to Doctor Who and these particular episodes and being like, "Wow, I really watched this." <laughs> However, there is obviously like some sort of like some level of goofy enjoyment that you get out of it. And I do think if I had watched some of the episodes I remembered a little more fondly than this one, I probably would like fully get it. Mm -hmm. But I will agree with David that these were incredibly weird (laughs) feeling episodes vibe wise. (laughs) Just insane Uh. looking from just like. CGI just background standpoint <laughs> accent work is uh something to behold. Here's my here's my uh one word review in the words of Leslie Jones. So uh that was bad. That was her saying bad. I, I don't think that joke landed, so David, please cut uh, it. No. Uh, I'm, uh, not gonna, I'm not gonna keep in double. Oh. Um the uh, thing so, about this episode, sorry, just gonna say the thing about this episode is that this these two episodes were pretty much it's well, one they actually filmed in New York for a lot of this, um, but you can barely well, tell. They did. They went to New you York. Can't fucking tell. Me. They went to New no. York for like two days and filmed um, like plate shots, and then filmed like so, like one or two scenes, I think, around New York, and then we're like, okay, let's go to Cardiff for the rest of it. The thing about the episode is that um, it very much kind of just ends, and I think that's mostly because they didn't have an ending for quite some time. Um, there's a whole production history where they're like, they're like Helen Rayner was losing sleep because she couldn't figure out how, how to end the episode. Um, yeah. And I, I don't quite think they figured, figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also, I guess I basically just read this on Wikipedia. So I guess I don't know how research is it that like Moffat was supposed to write this episode, mm-hmm. these episodes. And then he just sort of like backed out <laughs> last second, which was, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> he saw the, 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 the assignment like, no, 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 I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Which is what left Helen with this assignment and what sort of, and it sort of made the production sort of a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just like, I guess in my brief recollection, in my recollection of Doctor Who, I think, a lot of the like major mid-season episodes, I think, do have this sort of feeling of just like I think there are like there are such gigantic lore implications in these two episodes that then by the end they're just like, Yeah, don't worry about that, we'll figure it out. And it's just like what? And it's just like, isn't there isn't a huge part of like the entire 
reason for the doctor's depression over the like the Russell T. Davis Moffat era of just like that he's the only Time Lord and then he just like accidentally makes like 15 of them at the end of the episode and then he's just like well I guess he died we're moving on and then he's like what how how do you reconcile that not just that but also that this episode is like hey let's take one of the core tenets of Dalek lore which that they hate everyone else but themselves and then one of the Daleks is like, okay, we gotta we gotta evolve and become humans. And the Daleks are like, what? And the, the guy's like, I'll explain later. Just go with me on this one. And, and yeah. it's like you're just waiting for their sudden but inevitable betrayal, you know? But wouldn't like, you wouldn't you accept becoming a human if it meant you got really cool spats when you when you turn into like a human Dalek? The fucking like that, the fact that the first thing you see emerging out of those like is the spats. It's just so it's such a weird costume because the top like if you took off the if you took off just the head, it's a cool design. But then he's wearing this fucking like spats and suit and like he just looks like he woke up five seconds ago. He's all he always looks like he just got out of bed with <laughs> or, or that he's been sleeping at work or something. And it just looks so bad. Like I mean it just looks sad. He looks like a sad human being. It's a weird performance. Um Eric Lauren, who is of course in Saving Private Ryan, uh, a quiet passion. He's in um what you call it? he's in uh, that that move. <laughs> That movie, Red Lights, which I remember being obsessed with, the one Robert De Niro is like a, a medium, and Killian Murphy from like, like this crew is a medium or something. It's a like he, he's trying to do like you know the whole like Nicholas Briggs static voice. He, he's doing the yeah. He's I noticed that because he's like okay, I'm gonna try to copy Nicholas Briggs, and he's a fool because one does not copy <laughs> Nicholas Briggs, but he's trying to do the whole like the way he talks like this, but he's doing it very breathy, so it's like. I am a human dialect, which kind of makes him sound a bit like Ronald Reagan. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, "Mommy, I am a dialect now." Well, That's well, well, I'm a dialect. Uh, so it's just, it's just a weird performance, and it's the it, like it, it comes out of nowhere. There's not a lot of build up towards it. Uh, and it becomes this anchoring aspect of the whole episode and it never fully works because they never fully dedicate the time they should to explaining like why this Dalek decided that, you know what, I'm just going to abandon the, the biggest b- belief that Daleks have. And the whole idea of survival, it's just like, also if you think about it, Doctor Who is good at like combining the sci-fi idea with the historical idea. Like there's an upcoming episode Human nature, family of blood, where you know the doctor wants to be human, and to in the sci-fi idea is combined with the historical idea of being right before World War One, and that gets brought up a lot of times in the episode and connected to the sci-fi idea behind it. But with this one, what is what does New York in the thirties have to do with the Daleks wanting to evolve? One Dalek wanted to evolve. It just feels like. Like that's what you say. They shot this in New York, but they barely use New York as a character. There's like Hooverville, and that's it. And the Empire, and the Empire State Building is like, so what? Like, there's nothing. Yeah. There's no reason why this should take place in New York. It it just feels like they're like, um, okay, big building, guys, big big building, New York. Okay, um, Empire State Building in the 30s. All right, cool. 
it's all gonna take place fucking underground and in a theater, so who cares? Yeah. It's like if they actually shot in New York, you just cannot tell. Because it's yeah, as you said, it's a lot of fake, very fakeable interiors that I assume were fake. I assume they didn't shoot in any actual underground or New York theater. The incredibly fake looking uh, uh, Empire State Building, incredibly yeah. fake looking Central Park. Central Park seems like maybe the one thing. Like maybe they got a couple of shots when they're just walking around, but even then, the the compositing looks so fucky that I cannot believe that that is the actual like Central Park, or that it's just an incredibly strange episode from so it's like an ep- a series of episodes that really made me consider the politics of doctor who strangely mm-hmm. i'll say is it because mm-hmm. this is the episode the, this is is this the episode with the most black cast members in doctor who's history doctor who's history is like it probably yeah, is. i mean i mean i i guess i i have i do not have the f- basis of history that y'all have to know that but it's like apart from that it's just like his like the entire his, the entire relationship with Hooverville this episode had and just like the downtrodden working class and just like I, I kept thinking of like is doc is the doctor like a force for the proletariat is he like telling the workers to like rise up and revolt and take up and seize the means of production <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to get from these episodes right but, because the 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 first one is just that's because of the the first one is just completely disconnected from the second one, right? Because the second one relies on so many sh- stuff that like were, they barely were talking about the first doing the first one. Because yeah. I guess they're the the like vague connection they're trying to draw is just like the Hooverville like the connection of just like human resiliency of like even human resiliency and the human spirit of like even when they're getting beat up and they're like on downtrodden humans can like band together and take care for each other and survive which is like what the that's the only like vague explanation dalek sec gives for wanting thinking that humanity is a like is a helpful vessel for daleks to explore just like they're very resilient and they're surviving and we're like a race that is on the brink of extinction so this might be very helpful to yeah consider unifying with but it, even then that's like very vague and it, like as you said like in the first episode I feel like they get to that a lot and then by the second episode it's just like it's so lord it's so like lore and like Doctor Who myths dense that you can barely really explore that sort of stuff but it, it yeah. did get me thinking of just like if there is a noticeable shift in politics between the end of Tenet at Davies and the start of Smith and Moffat. There is. I would say there is. There is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like, like uh, the 11th Doctor is like best friends with, with Winston Churchill. Yeah. Which we've yeah. thought before, it seems like a, a fairly huge misstep for any kind of character, especially a doctor, to be friends with someone like Winston Churchill. Um, it's not like they were they were doing they did that in 1955 you know they yeah, did that in 2010 <laughs> when we knew the shit he did so it's like and then they gave him two two box sets of an audio drama spin-off where it's just Winston Churchill as like the 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 main protagonist going on adventures which is also bizarre um, yeah speaking of bizarre like most of this episode 
with these two episodes. Can I just say something uh, yeah. about the politics that uh, Emilio brought up that made me think? Um, and it, it, to me, it's very telling that like what uh, this episode chooses to focus on, because they introduce the Hoover Veil characters and they immediately get sent to the background, right? They introduce Mr. Diagoras mm-hmm. and there's something there about him being this rich guy who's working for evil aliens, but then he just gets absorbed by the Dalek. You know, uh, there's there's something about Tallulah being like a woman in 1930s New York in the art scene, but then that also gets just kind of dropped. And it all it's all these ideas that just get kind of dropped in service of at the end, they need to be chased by pig slaves and the Daleks need to attack Hooverville and that's it. You know, it, it, it just, that's yeah. all, it, that's all, it feels like that's building up to that. And that's such a, like a whatever thing. The, the, it's just so run the mill. It doesn't matter that it's a waste of a scenery. It's a waste of character. And it almost makes you yeah. think like, maybe this should have been just one episode, you know? Maybe. But uh, there's also like the fact of Diagor, what they say that attracts uh, make attracts them to him as a like candidate for human Dalekness is that he talks about how like ruthless he's willing to be and he just wants to become a big name and run things which you could almost see that as like a like not intelligent but as like maybe a potent like finding of a connection of just this like early New York capitalist thinking of just like we're gonna run people into the ground to make great things or whatever thinking to like dalek ultimate destruction supremacy thinking but then immediately they they become a hybrid and immediately they become the softiest softy who's ever softied like human dalek is evil for such a like small percentage of either episode that it's almost impressive it's like this almost should have been like you said it should have been a one-parter it almost should have been like a three-parter because it's it's like insanely rushed what they're trying to get to and the types of connections you're trying to make that's because the human dalek as a concept feels so poorly thought out like at no point did they think about it that it, it, it almost feels like that's supposed to be the idea because the Daleks immediately were like, yeah, no, we don't like this. So fuck you. <laughs> like, it doesn't that's, even take yeah. them too long to be like, actually, <laughs> no. That yeah. scene where, yeah, sorry, that, that scene where they're gossiping in the, in the car, in the sewer corridor is, I, I think it's made the, the only like one solid scene in this where, where they're like, it's it's being played for comedy, and it 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 feels like it fits more than anything before or after. I don't know. Yeah, and it it's also, like oh, go ahead. It almost it um there's almost an angle where you could say like maybe you make that sort of a character since he is such like a big idea or wide like a sort of master or like I'm trying I'm like struggling to think of other like ma- like season uh, a season long Doctor Who villain where you do his arc over a like a series of episodes where you like at first he gets to be really evil and then you see like whatever their like attraction to a human Dalek hybrid concept may be as a Dalek race and then by the end you see him slowly like gaining his humanity and changing his mind about certain things but when you do it in one episode it just seems like yeah this seems like it, it almost justifies Dalek's point of view of just like, yeah, this was obviously a mistake that they shouldn't have done. Like, why would you ever, like, 
with what we know about them as a race and like as an ideology this never made sense that they should have allowed this in the first place especially since it fails so quickly yeah Mm -hmm. it it almost feels like maybe there's a version of this episode where the scene where mr diagras gets absorbed is the cold open but also it's like we spend so much of the episode just waiting for the doctor to realize that it's the Daleks, right? Like the first episode, we know it's the Daleks from the f- maybe like ten from minutes the, in. Yeah, from the, from the title sequence when yeah. it, where it says Daleks in Manhattan. Manhattan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then it. we just wait. We're just waiting for the doctor to be like, "It's Daleks," and we're like, "Fucking finally!" And even then, uh, they do it again because in the second episode, there's a moment where they're like. Where Muffer's like, where am I supposed to go? Where am I supposed to go? And everyone in the audience is going, the Empire State Building. Like, we know it's there since the first episode. And then when she realizes that, it immediately cuts to the doctor being like, yeah, I knew it. It was the entire Empire State Building. And it's like, why would you waste our time then? Why not have the the doctor and Martha arrive and they go out and say, look, Empire State Building still be, being built. And the doctor's like, but that doesn't make sense. You should have been ready by now, whatever. Like, have it said in the almost 40s. You should have been ready by now. What's going on? Let's go investigate. Oh, there's something disappearing off of Hooverville. It's, it's like, the Hooverville characters are so forgettable. You got Solomon, a.k.a. This, the, like... <laughs> the stupid, the poor jerk, because he's like, we should, we should reason with the Daleks, and everyone's like, we know what's going to happen. You are going to be exterminated. Like, there's no reason why, and I get, and I don't understand why they have that scene, is to have Dalek Sack be like, no, you shouldn't have killed him. But we, as audience members, are like, yeah, man, what did you think was going to happen? We know what the Daleks are, and then. uh like the only reason why Frank is a character is because it's Andrew Garfield and you're watching him like, wow, that's Andrew Garfield. And that's all, you know, that is all fucking Frank. Frank uh, Andrew oh, Garfield. Frank. Do you think Andrew Garfield thinks about, about this role? Do you he, think oh, Andrew Garfield was yeah, at the Oscars? He does. He, he does um, oh, really? They asked, him in 20, they asked him in 2012, like, do you remember being Doctor Who? He was like, yeah, it was a great honor to be part of that institution you know i was really really pleased i got to be a part of doctor who so he's at least so aware that he was in this um do you think they I asked him about it at the oscars good. and it was like keep the show's name out your f-. sorry well sorry, that was tropical, the last tropical humor yeah tropical humor. just really remember this is going to air in fucking <laughs> three months uh, from now June. Yeah, this, shit. <laughs> this is gonna be even less topical by the time it comes out sorry yeah and he, yeah, he's like he he's actually a good entry point. I mean, we can talk about him specifically further, but like another like huge thing about this episode is just like the insane accent work being oh, done. Oh yeah, on this holy episode. shit! It's just of just like literally everybody having it a like. Oh, I'm from New York. We here to eat a, go to the ball game and eat a fucking hot dog over here, eh? It's just <laughs> so insane sounding. I mean, obviously he's not doing that. He's trying to do Tennessee South, which is like God bless his like whatever his nineteen year old or however old he was when he did this heart. But uh, he does not have that in his pocket. I'll say maybe he does now. I think he now he's doing like 
some TV show where he's supposed to play from the South again. I guess he played Jim mm-hmm. Baker, fa- like extremely yeah. <laughs> famous Southerner Jim Baker. So I assume he's gotten better on that front. But his accent in this is insane. And there's like one specific moment where, God, what? I don't think they, maybe they never say his name, but he's like the first like foreman who like gets captured by the Daleks <laughs> who's talking to Mr. Diagoras who he's doing that accent and then and then Mr. Diagoras is like oh I'm, let me introduce you to our bosses you can tell them st- straight to their face and he's like oh what are they freaking Italians I'm not scared of them and it's like Whoa. you can't say freaking Italians in that accent you're basically that's what's stolen <laughs> you're basically doing stolen Italian valor already and I know that like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything about the I mean aren't there no uh, David we know you're in Ireland but aren't there no Americans in in the UK like why can't um, they just be like are you telling me that if they call like French steward or like French we need you to come <laughs> over here because Mr. Diagoras already kind of looks like French steward like are you telling me if they were like hey French steward can you come over just fucking do a, a thing here for a while are you telling me he would be like absolutely I'll be there like, uh, uh, well, I mean, there are Americans in this. Um, the guy plays Laszlo, who is also kind of kind of bad in this. I'm going to be blunt. Um, had just come off Desperate Housewives and had the same age as John Barrowman. Um, and Eric Lauren is American as well. Diagoras is American. Everyone else, like um, uh, Hugh Warshi, Captain Panaka himself, as Solomon is English. Um, Miranda Raisin. You'd be surprised that Miranda Raisin Tallulah is is British. I know what? the accent. No. <laughs> I mean, um, her, her, I'll give credit to like she's obviously doing an insane accent, but she's obviously doing like an affected showgirl thing where it's like mm-hmm. you can give that a little bit more of a leeway than just like normal people talking. I mean, Emilio, the, the word you're looking for is Harley Quinn. She's doing Harley Quinn. <laughs> she is doing Harley Quinn. Where's listen. my Laszlo? Her, I miss my Mr. L. <laughs> the, the choreography on her music number as well is absolutely shocking. What is that? Why is that music number there? You know what it's there? Do you know what it's there? They, they went out and they got permission to use Anything Goes. And then they realized Anything Goes was written like eight years after the episode was set. So they had to go and write what is honestly... No, nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. I can tell you for a fact, I would have loved it if... if <laughs> I would have loved if we heard an Arnolden basic lips talking. I would have loved it. I mean, they already they, they already were banking they, the fucking musical stereotypes because when the, the Statue of Liberty shows up, they're like, all right, cue the Rhapsody Blue. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the musical equivalent of, go- of doing like a hey, pizza pasta? <laughs> like, that's what yeah. they're already doing this, so why not just go hog wild? Do you need permission to? Is that not is that song not public? Wait, yeah, actually, long, good point. How, how long has Cole Porter been dead? Like, uh, I 19, 1934 is when that song came out, so. I assume. Oh, I, I assume that 2007. Kind of, it was not yet. It was. I mean, I think right now it is actually 60, sixty something. And I'll muck the math. Um, so yeah, 2007 uh, to 68. That is what. It, that's yeah, 69 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that is nice. 
but yeah, it's just, and it it also like to get other into other uses of New York criticism. It feels like insanely small. Like I do feel like Doctor Who, like general. Well, I guess it depends on the episode, but I do think like they tend to try and do a good job of even like you know they have a limited budget so whenever they go somewhere they're not like going to explore the whole thing but they do a decent job of just like making you understand where wherever the setting is as like a piece of a whole and like creating and like making you feel like you are in a section of the place and this just makes new york feel insanely tiny and insanely fake it just Mm -hmm. you just cannot buy it at all and it's like maybe new york just due to the size is, and due to what they wanted to do, it's just like a lot harder to replicate, um, like what it, like the look on a small budget than other places might be, like in Europe where you're in England and like you can like sort of fake Europey parts or you can like fake old timey parts of other countries and time periods or you can just like set future stuff inside of the soundstage. Yeah. But yeah, they just make New York look so bad. It, and it's like, obviously, they're like trying to go for like the grungy, like old 30s, like it's struggling aesthetic. But it's like they go to New York City and I they're they are mostly inside a building and in a park. It's just <laughs> they like never you go, never, yeah. they never go down the street. Like it's the easiest like hack New York thing to do. Just like bang on a taxi cab, be like, I'm walking here, eat a fucking hot dog and yet they ne- they never get around to any of that stuff their idea of new york is just accents and that buildings are big when you look at them <laughs> yeah it it honestly to me the biggest defender is the part where they're walking down quote unquote central park which is like they shot it at a place where it has no trees which if you've been to central park you should know that place has a lot of trees. So they're walking on. They're like, here we are in Central Park. It's like, this does not look like Central Park. It, it so just Cent- looks like you went to a random park in Cardiff. Yeah. Also, Central Park is gigantic and very varied in terms of what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Like, th- this just makes it seem like, yeah, it's just like some park you go to walk your dog or whatever. Or go to, like, <laughs> eat, eat a sandwich on a bench with your girlfriend. And not, like, a gigantic park that has a lot of stuff going on in it. It's um, very much like I, I admire their commitment, you know? I admire that they really fucking try to do an episode, like, to do this. To do something as crazy as this. But the end result just kind of made me question why I struggle so much, you know? Because the end result is so disconnected from New York as a concept, or even New York as a historical entity in the 1930s that... That you might as well have set this in like London, like oh, 1930s London. But like, what is it about this story that can't happen? That has makes it like it has to happen in New York. And the answer is because New York has a fucking huge building. It's like if that's the thing that's separating this story from any other story, then like maybe don't do it. The thing is though, like last week was at New York. Yeah, and then this uh, week you're right. Like, actually, well, gridlock. Yeah, so like I I don't understand what the whole thing of like if you're going to do New York in one week, why do New York again the week after? Why not go like you know it's 
I suppose it's probably because they came up with the title Daleks in Manhattan. I was like, oh yeah, look that that'd be Why fun. Why didn't Daleks take Manhattan? Like, no, because they saved. Yeah, they they yeah. saved the take Manhattan for uh, a fucking Weep, the angel weeping angel take Manhattan. Uh, yes. yeah, which is, yeah, I yeah. did forget about that. Yeah, good. Is I mean, that, is that episode better than these? I guess they uh, no, but that episode have... has the that episode has the exact. Actually, it doesn't. I was about to say it has the exact same problem as this one. No, but that they, it mostly they, takes they place filmed, in interior locations. But they, they actually did York. film in Central Park, yeah, in New York, which it is just, like yeah. never again is that going to happen <laughs> in Doctor Who history. Never, never, absolutely never is, is the BBC going to let them shoot anywhere outside of the UK. <laughs> have they? They should go, go to like L.A. I was about to say that this story yeah. should have taken place in L.A., right? Daleks yeah. going Hollywood and stuff. You know, you get, you get like all the kind of you still, you still get the, the glitz and glamour, and you get like the kind of the Art Deco stuff. But you get in like a more of a kind of variety of a location. Yeah, you get like a, yeah, yeah. It looks different, and it's and it's like the thing of like the the, the yeah the, as you said, there's like very little reason to choose this setting specifically apart from the Empire State Building. Kind of, it's like yeah, like post World War One, there were a bunch of post World War One. The effects of the fucking uh, the Industrial Revolution were being felt all over the place. You could have set this literally wherever where workers were being exploited, and there was just like this mass of people. There is, yeah. I the, I guess it's like exacerbated in New York due to the size of it. But there's like I don't think that's compelling enough reason, especially if you're going to take that sort of a thing. And yeah, and like LA would be a, like a funner thing. And I bet you could get like fun cameos. And I'm sure most people who friggin' play Doctor Who at this point, like basically spend half of their time in LA. And it's just a lot more interesting setting wise, I think. Like, where else in America have they set Doctor Who episodes? There's, um, um Grand Canyon. There's one in the Grand. Was it the Grand Canyon? Yeah, the Grand Canyon was an episode. Um, it's not, not, not the. I mean, it's not a whole episode. They had an episode where yeah. they're all scattered throughout the U.S. and yeah, uh, there's Utah, Utah. Yeah, you see um, one of them Nevada. on the Hoover Dam, and then you see one of them in Utah. But it's literally like flashes. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, Rosa is is all set in America. The Rosa Parks episode uh, from series eleven, um, oh, where uh, which yeah? Oh, we'll I that. forgot about that. Yeah, um, there's another one as well. I'm pretty. There's probably another one. I know that there's an America. There's in the chase in classic who they go to the Empire State Building for like half an episode with with the Daleks as well. Which you know, talk about uh, talk about repeating yourself. Um, Do they ever go to Canada? Do they have a Canada? I don't think they do. I mean, there's probably a Canada box set in Big Oh, there's probably like a novel set in Canada. There's probably like a novel set in like every state. Like it's like a Sophie and Stevens thing. It's probably like a big Finnish fifty-one state. Yeah, because I know I read somewhere that one of the films maybe was shot in Vancouver mostly, which doesn't um, surprise me. The, uh, McGa- that was yeah. The McGann the McGann one is set in is set. I think is it set in Vancouver. I think it is. Set it's, in set, it's shot in Vancouver, set in San Francisco. All right. Oh yeah, yeah. The the classic story of a yeah. That's yeah. a that's a very t- common thing. But it's like yeah. at least they tried with that one. Like at least like Vancouver for San Francisco. It's like you can fake it pretty well. Like people have been famously faking that for years mm-hmm. at this yeah. point. 
but uh, I don't know. It's weird. I guess it's like again the other thing that the other take they seem to have on New York is just like the set of just like gateway to the West, just like welcoming immigrants and all these people who came to like struggle, but like work together and like made something happen and created a new great country or whatever, which is like. I guess that energy is sort of one of the few things I appreciate about the episode and what sort of got me on the like thinking about the politics of Doctor Who thing because it's like it made me like consider like why like why I watch like a tenant episode so pleasant to go back and watch and like not the same as Matt Smith, even though like just look wise the quality of the show is like so improved, especially by the end of Matt Smith, but it's like the tenant era, the tenant and like late Davy there, I guess all Davy there at Doctor Who just has this like such a like beaming and pleasant to watch take on humanity. Ten- tenant Doctor is always so like fascinated by stuff and like cheery about stuff, even when it's like weirdly so. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if its take on New York current on this episode is like really such a positive thing to be thinking but at least it's like a positive energy and i think he it is generally has a i think a positive outlook on people and the possibilities within and an understanding of like the sort of thing that corrupts them and makes them happen then but then by i think smith doctor and i guess i've never seen uh god what's his uh Capaldi era doctor, but they they just have this like talking down to people energy that feels very weird. Like I I feel like even by mid Matt Smith he shows up to most places and he's like these are this is why you these horrible thing happen and why you are all idiots and it's like I'm still gonna you be stupid like stupid humans yeah yeah you stupid human and like I'm still gonna be wacky and energetic and I'm gonna help you but I'm gonna help from a point of view of just like you need my help or or something terrible is going to happen well i think like tenant era it's more like he's dealing with a problem outside of whatever human circumstances exist because he feels sort of an obligation to correct whatever weird time problem is happening because that is his job whereas but my matt smith he's like he feels like he needs to correct humanity's errors in a way that feels very uh very modernizing yeah. yeah, very patronizing and mafia as somebody who watched a lot of Sherlock. It uh, it's funny because that I'm trying to think, but but that kind of started with Eccleston, right? Eccleston is very much like he's the one that says you stupid apes, you're you're a bunch of stupid apes. But and but at the same time, Eccleston does have the whole like. Carrie June, she's gonna be the the lead Britain's next golden age. Like that's why I know her from. Like he does have a little. Sliver. I mean, I guess what to say is that the Ninth Doctor, when he's talking about humans, is from a position of I've just survived the time war and I'm so fucking depressed. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when, and, yeah, he's like positive, but he's like positive, but he's obviously like a very jaded person. So it's like he he uh, he has an anger to him, but I guess like different from like the Smith anger, it like his anger feels like I I believe that good things can happen, and I am constantly frustrated by the fact that I am like being annoyed to like solve problems that I shouldn't be. And whenever he in, 
I feel like whenever he interacts with people personally, he's like a pretty gregarious, fun guy that has like a little bit of an edge to him occasionally. Whereas Matt Smith feels Matt Smith and Capaldi just like from the outside feel condescending for minute one. The funny thing is, Capaldi Mm -hmm. was like that in series A for as far as I remember, but he kind of mellows out a lot towards the end of his tenure. I mean, I remember there's that moment, I think series nine maybe when uh clara is like we gotta go rescue danny then you pay series a series a yeah and he's like yeah. of course i'm gonna help you rescue even though it's stupid and all that like why would you think i wouldn't help you do this it's it's like um she what happens this is gonna be like a, a quick rundown um clara um her boyfriend gets killed in a car accident and she wants the doctor to go rescue him by going to literal heaven or whatever. Um, so she uh, takes all his TARDIS keys, uh, destroys all of them. It's like, you're going to help me find Danny now or like else I'm going to like destroy your TARDIS. But he's like, no, just go ahead, destroy the keys. I don't really care anymore because like you're being stupid. Um, and it turns out it was all like a, it was all like a hologram or something. But then he, um, she's like, what do we do now? You and me, what happens now? Doctor. Go to hell. Fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. Clara? You asked me what we're going to do. I told you. We're going to hell. Or wherever it is that people go when they die, if there is anywhere. Whatever it is, we're going to go there and we're going to find Danny. And if it is in any way possible, we're going to bring him home. Almost every culture in the universe has some concept of an afterlife. I always meant to have a look around, see if I could find one. You're going to help me. Well, why wouldn't I help you? Because what I just did, I just... You betrayed me. You betrayed my trust. You betrayed our friendship. You betrayed everything that I've ever stood for. You let me down! Then why are you helping me? Why? Do you think I care for you so little that betraying me would make a difference? It's like one of those, it's like one of those kind of weird kind of um it's a good scene but like it's also kind of this thing of like you know the doctor kind of being a bit of a bit of a prick yeah um which is which is I'm not thinking about Whitaker and I think Whitaker doesn't have that prickness but her relationship well but her relationship she, to humans is much more like you guys are so cute and so ah oh, I love watching you guys it's not like you're in the I, same I, level it's like I the mean, way you treat a pet. There's that scene where Gra- or one of her companions, Graham, was like, I'm worried I'm getting sick again. And she's like, oh, yikes, oof, uh, good luck with that. And uh, let's go find Frankenstein. <laughs> That's going to be a yikes for me, dog. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> anyway, Amelia, sorry. But your point is very, very good. It's very funny that the story that makes us think about that is a story where uh, he makes 15 Time Lord Dalek human hybrids and then they all die. And he's like, well, 
what's next, guys? What's next, gang? Yeah. Yeah, that part is just strange. But I do, I mean, it's like he almost does play it with like the, the correct level of like despair, but he does it for like five seconds. And then he's just like, but I guess there's nothing to be done. Moving on. And even though, like, in the next scene, he saves a person's life. So it's like, I don't know, maybe you could have tried something. You, like, made something insane there. Or, like, you could have figured it out. Though I guess it's like, he... He literally starts, the the next scene, he's literally like, I'm not going to let one more person die. It's like... Like, yeah, hmm. this is, like, this is the line. But I guess... Laszlo? I guess it was. Yeah, Laszlo. Mr. L? Laszlo. I know I say that, but the Laszlo, the whole thing about Laszlo, the character and the performance, is just one of the flattest guest performances I've seen in a long time and one of the kind of most nothing characters. Um, Going back to French Stewart, that guy could have been played by like Christia Montepolos and it would have been a much better performance. You know, just uh, are you really telling me you couldn't have like called up the Star Trek Voyager offices being like, all right, give me a list of uh, genre actors. We're not busy today. Let's get them all to the UK. Is it just because the environment of the same agent that they were just like, John, do you know anyone we could we could take? He's like, yeah, this this lad here. He's just beyond Desperate Housewives. He'll be your lad here. Yeah, but even like beyond calling like a start, it's like call friggin' Broadway casting, and I'm sure there'll be like 19 like New Yorky guys that you could ship into to shoot Doctor Who in Cardiff or whatever for like a week, no problem. Like kind of Ratliff in here. <laughs> yeah, like, like are you telling me there's there aren't people who are living Americans living in in London who could do this and who could actually probably do a better job than a lot of these British people pretending to be American with the worst accents you've ever seen. You called me stupid. Like I, I mean, it's just I, I have an accent. I, I'm not gonna lie, I have an accent, you know, but like. I don't pretend to not have one. <laughs> and it's also, it's, I'll also say that I, I, I have this weird thing where I, I sort of appreciate the aesthetics of old television, like, like older television, like pre like super HD television. And where I will watch like old episodes, like old X files episodes and all like episodes of even like TV, like cop procedurals, like CSI or like, uh, NCIS or law and order from like the mid 2000s. And I'll like appreciate those aesthetics. And I think there are episodes of this era doctor who that look good. Like, I think blink is a good looking episode. Oh, blink looks fantastic. I I think even gridlock, for how weirdly CGI it is, has its like has it like a specific aesthetic, but this episode just looks terrible. Mm-hmm. It is just colorless. We every shot looks composited in a weird way. Like the CGI is weird. Like the best looking aspect. I don't even know what the best looking aspect of the episodes are i guess like the daleks it's like hard to fuck that up they always look those yeah, kind of good and i and it's like i sort of appreciate the human dalek hybrid being this uh, being like a 
practical as somebody who like really gets to see like that sort of monster makeup as be practical these days. But I don't think it's a great design. Yeah. Mm. It's it's just I guess this could all have been saved if they had at one point the Daleks going, We'll have Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island too. Like it just feels like a lot of choices here were made because they're fun. But uh, then they stopped. <laughs> they didn't go all the way. Like have like have the doctor defeat the Daleks by tap dancing or something. Come on. Like you got you got Broadway as a topic and all you can do is give us like a like a lesser version of the Temple of Doom opening scene. Wait, you actually that one was anything goes too. I just remembered. Oh, sh- oh, come on. Um yeah. It's it's just it's it's a weird one, especially um given like so far the series we've gone from, we've uh, like it 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 it, it feels it just feels a very strange very strange episode that leads into a lot more strange stuff um which we'll get to of course next week um yeah i don't know if, if there's anything else to talk about um um yeah i'll just say final thoughts on the episode is that I they do not seem like good Doctor Who episodes to me. I don't think these are of a good quality. But I would be lying if I didn't say that I found most of like this like post like the first his first like two episodes, which are maybe like a little rough for me. Uh this like a tenant era Doctor Who very watchable. I think he is very charismatic. I think he is like you can he very easy he can like very much rest an episode on his shoulders and just like carry you through something, even if it's, it's like not the best story wise or just doesn't have the juice character wise. Uh, so I, I guess I had a decent time watching these, even though I think they are of a pretty poor quality. And I, I generally have a memory of like this series being very good, which is why when. I was like David invited me to be on the podcast and he said y'all were doing this series I was like oh yeah sure I'll do one of these like I remember these being generally of a very good quality I'll hop in and then picking the Dalek duology because I was just like yeah I remember these episodes being strange I'm sure there'll be something there'll be stuff to talk about and they certainly was but it is it i did not remember these episodes being as bad as they were i'll say that (laughs) yeah it's yeah i i i do think from here on in i know we said last last year michelle that um series two finales with the dogs gonna get broken i think from here on in it's gonna have a downward slide in terms of dalek quality um, story wise, but we'll get to there next year when we yeah. do. And everyone else, four. stay tuned for my uh, Daleks Go Hollywood story, where mm-hmm. uh, Clara, Clara Bow, uh, May West, Clara Bow, uh, I don't know, uh, Martha, look, it's Charlie Chaplin. And it would be like so easy to even if you're not oh. doing desperate Hollywood to just do like LA noir stuff, so just like put a Dalek yeah. in a fedora, just like do that sort of stuff. <laughs> not to the Daleks. 
She yeah. walked into my office with legs four days. <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to see that happen so much. <laughs> it, it's it's like such an easy patina to craft an episode of television around. I'm just surprised. Like, like what's the noiriest they've done? Um, I think that well, the, the the opening to the Angel Take Manhattan yeah. is. It's framed a, a like guy a, noir. In a trench coat. Yeah, it's a guy in a yeah. trench coat and a, a fedora being like, I was looking around the place for a sign of trouble and I found it in the, the hotel. And then he goes up to the, his hotel room and his old body is there. He's like, I was waiting for you for whatever. Um, other than that, I don't, really, I don't really think they've done that many like noir ish no. episodes, which they should do because it'll be, it'll be, I think there is definitely potential there to have like a, a detective story. I want to see that. I want to see that. What are you? What are you, some kind of detective? No, I am a Dalek. I want to see yeah. that. Actually, Nick, give call us up. We're going to have that for you. We're going to have that ready call by next Baker. week. The Dalek and detective it, box set. <laughs> and it's like, the Doctor is such an easy character to transpose into noir terms. Because it's like, a lot yeah. of noir detectives, like, he often solves mysteries. He has this weird relationship to, like, romantic partners that it gets, like, that it's like these in very interesting back and forth that you could explore. Like he like pops into a setting. You can like sometimes play him as a little jaded and craft a story that makes him believe in uh, like believe in certain things, which is like, listen, I am on the record on a variety of places as being extremely pro noir and just thinking that is like maybe a, my favorite genre of thing to set anything in but i think especially mm-hmm. for like episodic tv i think it is just like an incredibly like ripe form of storytelling that you could explore so and i'm just surprised that a show like doctor who wouldn't go there that off as often but uh i don't know maybe i guess like i guess i don't know what the uk's relationship to nor is it's probably got a U in it, and it's probably. If <laughs> I say noir, you have no laugh, mate. Um, I, don't okay, know. I I have a fedora now. Fedoras are cool. <laughs> he would have um, done that. He would have. He would have. Uh, but yeah, I think I think if we're all settled. Um, we can move into plugs. But first, I want I just want to say, uh, next time. There were some issues. They've been resolved. I'm confident I'm in no serious danger. That's comforting, Richard. But it wasn't just you I was worried about. Your concern is touching. The people in that room will represent billions of pounds worth of potential investment. Mr. Saxon wants to be sure they like what they see. Don't worry. Our friend will get his money for them. So, Emilio, if you, want to, if you have anything you want to plug, plug away. Uh yeah, I have a podcast called Can I Kick It? Uh can spelled like the film festival or the region in France, C A N N E S. Uh it is about film festivals, as David said earlier. Uh we just talk about anything relating to film festivals. Sometimes we'll talk about modern film festival news, sometimes we'll talk about like movies that played film festivals and interesting aspects about it. Sometimes we will do jury style exercises for for movies, sometimes we'll do traps. It, it is, it's like 
film festivals give us like a bit pretty like broad area of coverage that we can talk about and around so it's not real so we aren't really like stuck to one thing so if you've ever wanted to like get into the world of like film festivals or even like art film i do think our podcast is like a pretty like chill fun way to like talk about movies that some people might consider to be like a little like high-minded and pretentious Mm -hmm. absolutely i totally agree and apart from that i don't really have it i guess i don't really have anything else to plug uh follow me on twitter at i'm laugh alone uh if you know for a way for me to get i laugh alone as an ad on twitter (laughs) hit me up (laughs) the campaign starts now i mean the campaign (laughs) campaign has been started for years it's one of the most maddening things possible that i do not have i laugh alone as an ad on twitter when i have it on literally anywhere else yeah. uh i have to go right now but before i go i just want to say uh what podcast does emilio dalek host hmm uh, i don't know what this podcast- is a joke that Get I exterminated. <laughs> okay, that's well, that's, that's a great. Um, you know the rest. Brendan We've heard it fifteen times now. Um, so yeah. Um, thank you, Emilio. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. The Dalek movies. This is a this is a very strange bit. Um, but yeah. Uh, as has been said before, and we'll say we said that many times again. Lock the gates. And goodbye. I am the Dalek film critic.